Hi, welcome to the Core Church Podcast. Our vision is to experience Christ's heart and to share his heart with others. Ready to learn more about him? Let's dive into this week's message. Here we go. Psalm 26. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. And at his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make music to the Lord. Today, we're going to be talking about worship. Someone say worship. So it's been on my heart. Um, I think that this is, uh, for me personally, the most life-transforming series I've ever received for myself. Serious, for me personally, I think that this has changed me. In all the course of my years, I think that this series has changed me. So on the beautiful side, God's moving. But on the other side of it is that I think the enemy feels that too. And he recognizes that a group of 12 ordinary men, if they catch heavenly authority, they're going to change the world. And so right now, the enemy wants to halt everything that's being spoken. Did you know that? Has anyone ever read the Bible? Has anyone ever read the Bible and then all of a sudden the phone calls come and then you have to plan out the next meeting and then you have all, and then you're like, wait, I'm really hungry. So then you go and make breakfast. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, we got to get the kids in the car. And then you miss out on your Bible time. You think that's an accident? So this is, this is, this is the pivotal moment for each and every person in this room. Serious, this is the moment for every person in this room. You are, you are going to be hearing the word, not Nick Miller, please, I don't really care about that. You're going to be hearing this word today. Lean in and let's stand against the, any distraction, any tiredness. Someone say, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. Stand against distractions. Stand against tiredness. That's a word. I think it is. Yeah, it is now. We stand against wandering thoughts. Sometimes this is what happens. When you hear a preacher, you start arguing with him. That can't be true. I stand against those arguments that come up so that we can receive and be on the same page. I don't mind having a conversation with you if a question about it. But what the enemy loves to do, no, that can't be real. No, that's not true. Well, let's stand and let's receive from him. But I've just felt over the past two weeks that the enemy doesn't want you to hear this. He does not want anyone to receive from this series. So can we receive today? I'm speaking to myself too. I was literally uh, in worship and I felt a whisper uh, to me. And so I, I changed the message a little bit. Good job, Rebecca. You changed it real quick. Serious, today is, today is the day. Today is going to be a good day. Today is going to be a day that changes everything. I actually believe that today is not just a day that's going to change you personally. It's not going to just change core church. I actually think that today is going to be a day in which the nations change. You want proof? I'll give you proof later. Good. So let's lean in. 
Let's get ready to receive. Amen, church? All right, so I want to give you a chance to get to it. Go ahead. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 6. That's where we're going to be landing today. Daniel chapter 6. A little bit of Old Testament for Yenzers. Daniel chapter 6. But before we get to that point, I want to just share with you. Yeah, see, I want you to get your Bibles. Go ahead. You can turn to it. Take your time. Get there. Don't feel pressure. Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to land. But this series, I'm here and it's different now. Someone say, I'm here and it's different now. I'm here and it's different now. I didn't hear you, Becco. I'm here and it's different now. Did anyone else not say what I just asked them to say? Be honest. We're in church. We're going to do it one more time. And I want to hear, I see you. Thank you for being honest. Let's tell our soul this right now. All together. Someone say, I'm here. I'm here. And it's different now. Tell your soul that. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. Don't hold back when we're here. Here we go. Where Jesus walked, everything began to change. Church, did you know that? Wherever he stepped his foot, where, whoever he talked to, whoever he ran into, whatever town he entered, things began to change. Things began to change where the presence of God went. And so Jesus would walk into these random towns, villages, and run into people, and things would happen. Look at this, Matthew chapter 9. We could put this up here. It said when the demon was driven out, so he goes into this town, he runs into this man who's been mute. In other words, he can't talk. Imagine how many people, how many doctors he went to trying to figure out this problem so that way he can speak, share his heart, and give some praise. And so when the demon was driven out, this is what Jesus did. He went and said, get out of here. The demon was driven out, and the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Oh, my gosh, you want to talk about worship? Let me ask you, what do you think the first words that came out of that man's mouth were? Praise God. Praise God. And then what happened to this whole entire country? Everyone started saying nothing's ever been seen like this. In other words, they started glorifying God. When you see the character of God and you see him show up, things begin to change and everyone starts to praise. Someone say praise. Yes, that's what we're going to be talking about today. But here's the hard part. Here's the hard truth for you and me. And I wish he was here in the flesh right now. I wish Jesus was sitting down with us in a chair. That would be awesome. But he no longer walks amongst us. That's the truth. When you read the scripture, you see that he went to the cross. He died and rose again. He took all of the sin of man on his shoulders. He defeated it in the grave. He rose again to signify once and for all that he defeated death's hold over yours and my life. That's why when we sing, my debt is paid, it is paid in full. I celebrate like crazy. But here's the thing. He rose again, and he walked with his disciples for a little bit longer, and then he ascended into heaven. Christ no longer walks amongst us. Look, Hebrews chapter 1 says it like this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In other words, when you look at Jesus, you see God. When you talk to the Holy Spirit, you're talking to God. The exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purifications for sin, where did he go, church? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he's no longer here. Someone say he ain't here. He ain't here. He's not here. That's okay. That's all right. He's here. He's here. 
So Christ no longer walks amongst us in the physical, but the beautiful thing is that to those who are faithful to him, to those who have given their life to him, to those who are believers in the way, the truth, and the life, those, they walk with the Holy Spirit. Yes. They walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. Upon belief in Him, upon salvation, you receive two things. One, eternal life. Two, you receive a, the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is yet to come. So you might not feel like it. You might not always realize it, but you've received the Holy Spirit. And He's in you. And it's going to be different now because of that. Do you not know, he says, Paul's writing to the, the church in, in Corinth, and he's saying, hey, are you aware of this fact? Do you not know? Are you neglecting what's going on inside here? What is happening? Saying it to people that, he's been, that have heard the gospel, who have received the truth. Wait a second. Do you not know? Do you not know who is inside of you? And I would say the same thing to the church today. Hello, do you not know? Do you not know who's inside of you? And sometimes we get very weird about this topic because God is a mystery. He's unquantifiable. We can't figure everything out. And especially with this Holy Spirit inside of us, we get this weird like, oh, I can't figure it out. And so some of us even say, oh, it's not real or oh, that stuff can't happen. What? Do you not know who's inside of you? He is alive. He's guiding us. He's comforting us. He's leading us. He's speaking to us. The Holy Spirit's still moving, church. Do you not know that? Hmm. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Someone say amen. He's in you. He's in you. So you know what that means for you and for me? That means that wherever I go, wherever I step my foot, whatever room I enter, whatever conversation I have, whatever situation I find myself in, wherever I go into a business, whether I go to Giant Eagle, hey, Giant Eagle, the Holy Spirit's there in Giant Eagle when I enter the room. And it's not an arrogance thing, and it's not a, it's not a, oh, Nick's the guy, he's the best ever. No, no, no. Just the truth is, is that wherever we go, he's there. He is there. And so that is, that is the fuel. That's the reasoning behind why we say, I'm here, and it's different now. Not because Nick Miller is great, not because I do anything special, but simply due to the fact that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit just walked in the room. And so I'm here, and it's different now. And so over these next few weeks, I will say it a million times until we start believing it. I'm, I'm here, and it is different now. I had a conversation with small groups. Small groups was so good last week. We had an honest conversation about how sometimes we don't really feel that we walk in authority. Sometimes we don't believe it's for us. Sometimes we wrestle, what is the, the, how do I walk in authority? What, what do I even do? And so I want you to know that uh, I'm writing an I'm here part two. A little bit of a different, different course. I'm, we're going to finish this out, but we're going to an I'm here part two. To teach us how to walk in the authority that we really have. Because you got to believe it. And sometimes we hear these messages and we get inspired, but then Monday hits and we're like, how do we do that? 
Last week we talked about, I'm here, let my people go. Who prayed that this week? Anyone pray that this week? Yeah, I was praying that this week and things started to move, church. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. So I started praying that over my family. I started praying that over specifically my brother. I'm here, let my brother go. I'm here, let my brother go. I'm here, let my brother go. And, and for the first time in a very long time, I walked outside and I saw him. And the thing that's crazy is that he didn't change. My heart changed towards him. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I thought, the, I thought that there was going to be a work done in him and that some supernatural bondage would be broken. And actually, what I found was forgiveness and compassion in me. Hmm. And then, and then, the enemy slips in. And there's a little bit of discord. Isn't that interesting? We start praying that, and the enemy's like, no, no, no. And he starts swinging harder. So I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. We're going to keep saying, I'm here, let my people go. I'm here, let my people go. I'm here, let my people go. And why can we say that? Because you have power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. It says in Acts chapter 1, put this up here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In other words, you will be empowered to go to the ends of the earth and operate in the authority that we're talking about. That you will be able to go to the ends of the earth, and you will be able to say, you will have the authority to say. You will have the power to say, I'm here, let my people go. And now today we're going to learn about the fact that you can walk all across the earth and you can say, I'm here, all nations will worship. I'm here, nations will worship. So we're in Daniel. I have to say this. Bottom line for today is this. Please remember this. Where Daniel was, nations were led to worship. Where Daniel was, nations were led to worship. Not just a friend, not just a family member, not just core church, not just his little, you know, his group of friends. No, no, no. Nations were led to worship by the authority and the actions and the steadfastness of one man. I want to share the end of the story with you. I know that's kind of like, oh, man, you're giving us the end. Okay, I want to share the end of the story, and I want to give you proof. There's the king at this time. His name was King Darius. He was, he was the, the king over Israel at that time. They were in captivity from Babylon, and King Darius is the king at this moment. And, you know, some things happen. We're going to be talking about it. But he sees, he sees the, the character of Daniel, and ultimately what he sees is he sees the power and the character of God. And look at this decree. Look at what he says to the entire world. Daniel chapter 6 puts it like this. I issue a decree that in every part, someone say every part. This is the enemy church. This is a person who is far from God. This is a person who wants nothing to do with the living God. This is what he says when he sees Daniel. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Every part of my kingdom. This is one of the baddest dudes in the world right now. That sounds like to the ends of the earth type of moment. For he is the living God and he endures forever. This dude who knew nothing about him all of a sudden is starting to speak doctrine and theology here. Not through some eloquent sermon, but just through witnessing the character of Daniel. Wow. 
so all nations will worship. I got to tell myself that because that's bold. That's a huge deal. But we got to start believing it. Amen, church? So I, uh, I, I was prepping and, and thinking about this message, and I, I was wrestling with some, some things to talk about, and I landed on this one point, and it was brought up to me, some, just a, a, a memory that I had. And in a huge event that happened in my life. But before I share that event, I want to ask you guys a question. And whether it be big or small, I have this question for all of us to consider. Have you ever been rescued? Have you ever been rescued? Hmm. Think about that. ever been saved in a miraculous way? Be it a decision that you made, a mistake that you made, a situation that you found yourself in, have you ever been rescued? <laughs> Sometimes we've been rescued from ourselves, yeah? share a story. Um, I was, it was 2013 in December, and I was heading up to a college ministry up at IUP. Hey, IUP, what up? And these are the BE days before Emily days, all right? <laughs> yeah. I was doing online school, getting a degree, working full-time at a church, and uh, uh, I was dating someone, and uh, we had ministry that evening. We were, we were going to be doing uh, a college ministry, and uh, my pastor called, and he said, hey, are you able to drive me up? But moments before that, I got a text message that... This girl wanted to see me. College chick, you know, you know, you know what I mean? And so I answered my pastor, no, I got homework. I can't do that right now. I gotta write some, I gotta write some stuff for this class I'm taking. And so I won't be able to take you up. And a moment later, I get in my car, the window's short, I gotta get there real quick. And so it's a snowy, it's December, I think it was December 10th. December 10th, it was snowy. And uh, I'm driving I'm driving out to IUP. I go the 380 route. They never take care of the roads out on 380. No, no, no. Okay, and so I'm speeding around, and the speed limit is 55. And I'm trying to make an occasion, and I'm trying to get to, a, you know, a hot date. And so I'm going 85 on a 55. And... This was, uh, I, I, I took a bend tight. There's like a double hill, okay? So hill, road, hill. And I start going off the hill because I hit some ice. And I'm like, nope. I turn this thing all the way the other way and I ram straight into the uphill. I flip my car. 
I fly out of the window. The last memory that I have, first of all, it's one of the weirdest things when this happens, is uh, has anyone ever felt the moment where the world slows down? So I hit the ice. I went, oh, you know the word. Don't judge me. You know the word I used. And I turned my wheel, and the world slowed down, like literally, like it felt like it felt like 20 minutes. And, and I remember telling my body, I'm done. Relax. So I took my hands off the wheel, and I just... Because I've been, I've been taught that when people tighten up, that's when they get hurt the most. So I just said, just relax, just take it. And I relaxed my body. And the last thing I remember is the hit and my head hit the window. I didn't have a seatbelt on. Thank God there wasn't a car coming the other way. I went across the road, hit, hit, the, hit the hill, flipped my car. And I blacked out. And by the miraculous work of God, I woke up like this. From a, I, I was standing up. I woke up, came to, and I was like, ah! Oh! But then what do you think I said? I thanked him. So when you see the first picture, when you see the first picture, you realize that I shouldn't be here. I wanted the car picture first. That's all right. Put up the car picture. Keep going. I shouldn't be here. My roof was ripped off. And I woke up and my face was pouring blood everywhere. I had glass all throughout my face. They were in the hospital pulling it out with tweezers, getting glass out of my face. Go back to the face one. I mean, seriously, like, I was all messed up. The other thing that's weird is when you get to the hospital, they just cut your clothes off. I was like, what the heck? What are y'all doing? Take these big scissors. Man, I just paid for these jeans. You can take the picture down. So, so I got up. Ow. And I praised God. And then I saw this car. This woman was definitely calling the police trying to get some help. But I'm like Hulk smashing her door. Let me in. It's freezing out. Let me in. I have no, I, I lost one shoe. They're still finding it. And uh, I'm like punching this car. And all of a sudden this dude just pulls me into the back of his truck. And I pass out again. And then I wake up in the ambulance. And I say my dad's phone number. Call my dad. And I also said, take me to Forbes. I got insurance there. <laughs> Yeah. After those details were situated, I did not stop talking about Jesus for the next four hours. Thank God. I was in the helicopter. You don't know what Jesus did for me. You don't know how he saves. You don't know what he does. He rescued me. I should have been dead. Look at my car. I should be gone. I could not stop talking. I could not stop talking about Jesus. So what did I do when I opened my eyes? I talked about Jesus over and over and over and over again. I couldn't stop talking about it. So have you ever been rescued? 
Have you ever been saved? And it might not be a physical accident like that. Maybe one day you're up at college and you blacked out and you don't know what happened, but somehow you ended up in your bedroom. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe, maybe stuff happened at work and all of a sudden you got a new platform and a new way to provide for your family, but you were living penny to penny day after day. Have you ever been saved? Have you ever been rescued? I'm being serious. I think we need to start thinking about that more. Because when you realize how much you have been saved, all you do is praise and glorify God. And it's not about looking in the past 24-7, but it's about realizing where you could have been and where you are now. And huh, how do I say this? In light of everything that I go through now, when I look back at that moment, this is all easy. And, and the trials I face now, are you serious? <laughs> so what did you do when you opened your eyes? Hmm. Yeah, those BE days ended, you know. <laughs> hmm. What did you do when you opened your eyes? crazy thing is, is that I don't care how far away from God you are. I don't care if you're a professed atheist. They still say, thank God. Why? Let me give you some scripture because in every man's heart is a concept or is an understanding or a desire for eternity. Everyone is acutely aware that there's something more. Whether you want to profess it or not, we all feel it. It takes even more belief to shove down the awareness of eternity than it does to believe in it. And so that's why even those who are the harshest of non-believers and atheists or pagans, wherever they come from, they still in these moments say, thank God I woke up today. Serious. You get up from an accident, I don't care what your background is, I don't care what you've gone through, you praise, you praise. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy. It says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely, someone say safely, safely to his heavenly kingdom. Church, I was saved to serve. I was saved to give my life for this kingdom. I'll tell you, that was, that was the moment where I said, this is going to be real forever. I've been saved to serve. And there is one day where I will enter his heavenly kingdom and it will be safely. But look at what happens when you are rescued. Look at what happens when he does save you from every attack. What's the last sentence? To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, thank you, God, and we praise you in this place. So that's what happens. 
What is the natural response when one sees the character of God? Whether it be his goodness, whether it be his, his power, whether it be his safety. When you see the character of God, when you see his divine nature, when you see him do what he does, what is the natural response of every person in the world? It is praise and adoration. It is, let's use a more accurate word, it's worship. It's worship. That is our natural response to his character. I worshiped him when I woke up. I worshiped. I worshiped. So a huge question for you and me to consider today. What has he rescued you from? And when you think about that, your response should be, thank God. Praise him. And in light of all that you face right now, it all doesn't matter whenever you think about how much you were saved. Yeah. So I want to get into the story of Daniel. Go ahead, you can go to Daniel chapter 6. I told you we'd get there. I told you we would get there. Daniel stands for what is right. We're going to learn a little bit about this story. He stands for what is right, and God reveals his power. God reveals his character. Through this, through this man who walks with a heavenly authority, God starts showing up, and everyone has to acknowledge it. Nations have to acknowledge it. And so let's start, let's start in this. This is, um, this is verse 1. I am going to read a lot, so track with me. There's going to be some pauses, but we're going to go, and, and I don't want Nick Miller talk. I want word talk, okay, church? Let's do this. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased King Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Go ahead. Just give me grace, church, okay? To rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. In other words, he's just establishing a leadership perspective here. He's establishing leadership over his kingdom. But here's the really cool thing about Daniel, and this is, this is a whole different sermon for a different day. Go ahead. Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional, someone say exceptional. One of the weeks coming up is going to be the fact that all nations, or, or when you are there, or where you are, all will be blessed. All will be blessed. Where you are, all will, be, all will be blessed. Where you are, all will be blessed. His exceptional qualities, everything that he planned, every bit of strategy was blessing King Darius's kingdom. And so uh, exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. Tried to find grounds for charges Connect the dots, church. For charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. That sounds a lot like my good friend Jesus, huh? Keeps going. Keeps going. And so they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Oh, there's that word negligent. What did we talk about a few weeks ago? Negligent is intentional. Negligence is intentional. So he wasn't negligent. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Ooh, we won't be able to find anything against this person unless it has to do with Jesus. I pray that we would be known for our obsession with him and his word, church. That is my prayer for you and for me. Put this up here. I pray that we would be known. I pray that we would be known for our obsession with him and his word. 
He lived such an integrous life. He lived by the book. He lived by the decrees, the law of God, and walked and meditated on it and walked faithfully in it day in and day out. And so they could find no grounds against him. So they had to form this, this plan. They had to make a decree. They had to make a law that would trip Daniel up. I pray that you would be marked and known by his word. Amen, church? And so these guys, these satraps and these administrators, it keeps going. These people went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. What a good, nice entrance. Anyone talks to you like that, you start feeling good. Okay, may the king live forever. Go ahead. The royal, administer, royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. What? Who are you speaking for? Can I take a little side note? Be careful of people who say, well, everyone says this. Oh, there's so many people talking about this. Really? Well, tell me who then. Well, I don't want to give names. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, sorry, sometimes I got to be mean. Okay, here we go. And governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict. They're speaking on behalf of people. Don't get me started. Issue an edict and enforce the decree that Anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So anyone who prays to anyone but you, king, we need to get rid of them. Now, your majesty, now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. I tell you that the enemy is going to come and conceive any scheme to harm a man with heavenly authority. Wait, let's put this up here. The enemy is going to come and conceive any scheme to harm a man with heavenly authority. He's going to form any strategy. He's going to come up with anything to try taking you or me out. Especially because he knows that as we talk about authority and we talk about changing the world together, where we are, things are going to be different now. He's going to come up with so many ways to tear it apart. And, and, and Daniel was so integrous that they couldn't even go to Daniel about it. They couldn't throw him off his game. They had to go to some outside force to try tripping him up. Oh, we know that he's a man of prayer. He prays to God. So what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that everyone prays to you, king. They conceived a wicked plan. Now here's the hard part. Here's the hard part. And this is where we start jumping into a little bit of a side note on honor and what that looks like in the kingdom of God. But this plan is evil. This plan is evil. Someone say evil. It is evil. It is an evil plan to tell you that you cannot pray to the living God, that you cannot worship Jesus Christ, that you can't walk with the Holy Spirit. Imagine someone saying that to us. Yeah, right. Good luck. Good luck with that. And so the decree was issued. Now Daniel learned that it had been published. He went home. This is what he did immediately. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Church, he didn't even care. You're telling me not to pray? Good, I'm going to pray more then. And not only that, 
Not only that, in a godless nation where you worship a, a, a man, I'm going to open up my windows and pray over this entire nation. I'm going to pray over this entire city. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So you see that there's a habit. There's a habit of praise in Daniel's life. There's a habit of worship in his life. Nothing's going to stop him. Well, wait, Nick, aren't we supposed to, like, listen to authorities? And aren't we supposed to be really nice? Interesting. We'll talk about that. Then these men, this is what happens, they see it. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during these next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, wouldn't they be thrown into the lion's den? So let's talk about this for a moment. Let's talk about this for a moment. We have to, we're called to honor our authority. And how do we honor? We honor in attitude, our, our thought processes, what we feel and think towards someone, right? And we honor in our obedience. There's something, and, and the reason why I say these two things is that we can actually separate these two and distinguish between them. So you can say, you can say, your majesty, my beliefs don't align with this. I honor you. I respect you. I'm not going to speak poorly about you, but I will not do this thing. You didn't say anything mean there. When you dishonor, that's when you go on Facebook, this jerk, this, bah, 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 evil, evil, awful, awful, awful. That's dishonor. Gossiping about that king is dishonor. Talking poorly about that administration is dishonor. But you can go and be peaceable and honorable and say at the same time, I will not be doing what you're asking me to do. Church, you and I do not obey any evil command that we receive given by man. We don't. We don't. When there is something that is evil that is decreed, we do not obey that command. We don't obey that command, church. If someone tells us to do something evil, now we're talking on a big scale, but let's talk on a little scale. If your employer tells you to do something unethical, you do not do that thing. And let me tell you something. You will be fired, but God will rescue and redeem you. 100%. 100%. 100%. When your friend, you're asking for relationship advice in a marriage, and you say, oh my gosh, I had these feelings, and I accidentally texted this person, and oh, I got all messed up, and someone tells you to keep it a secret, don't honor that person. Don't honor that person who's telling, it could even be your mother or your father. Don't tell your wife. Don't tell your spouse. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You do not obey. You are honorable and trustworthy, and you go and speak to your spouse. So we have to not obey evil, wicked commands. We don't do that. Now, don't take that too far, please. Don't go crazy and say everything's just evil so I can do whatever I want. But we can honor an attitude yet say, I will not do that. I will not do that. Sir, you're asking me to fudge the books a little bit. I will not do that. You've been an incredible employer. I loved being here for a very long time. I will not partake in that. I do not want to participate. That's okay. You will get fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Because the result is unbelievable. 
And so, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't obey. Daniel, you've seen him, he is always honoring to the king in attitude, but he does not obey this instance. And so, the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, isn't that interesting that the accuser always brings up the past? Get out of here. Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty. That's a lie too. Or to the decree you put in writing. That's the truth. He still prays three times a day. He still prays three times a day. And so I'm here to tell you, someone say, Stako. That's true. Come on. The men in the house, we know we, we are building a, a ministry on standing firm to the very end, knowing that it's going to be changing generations. So stand firm. No matter what pressure may come, no matter what influence might trying to do to your mind or to your decisions, no matter what battles you face, you stand firm to the very end. And God will equip you with the strength and the endurance to do so. I can't believe, I can't believe Daniel would do this. Let's get him. He did not stop. He stood firm on what he believed in. Church, I think sometimes we struggle with like the name of peace or maybe we just lack, um, I don't want to be mean. How do I say this? Maybe we lack some gusto, some, some fortitude to actually stand firm. And I think the church needs to start changing and growing in that. We need to start standing firm. Our, our gospel is Frankly, it is one of the most offensive things that you could ever, ever share. We need to start standing firm for what is right. Amen, church? And so what happens when the world, what does the world see when we witness or when they witness a believer standing firm? This is the really hard part. What do they see? So again, you're in that predicament. They want you to fudge the books. You don't. What does that person who worked next to you for 12 years, what do they see? It's different now. That's, that's different. That's different. And so, and so I want to encourage you, you stand firm no matter the pressure, the influence, or the battle that's going on. We go to the very end. We run the entire race. The entire race. And the world will witness, and they will see something that is different. And so... Remember, Daniel had exceptional character. He was blessing the kingdom. And so when the king heard this, you can put this up here. When King Darius heard that he was praying to another God, the living God, he was upset. Daniel was incredible. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. He was arguing. They were trying to find loopholes. Can we save Daniel? No, 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 no. Then the men, then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. And so the order came, church. They issued the order. Go ahead. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And look at what this king, who's not a believer, this king who doesn't have anything to do with Daniel's God, Look at what he says. He says to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Isn't that crazy? Is that not crazy? Hmm. He's speaking theology. He's, he's talking about this stuff. Where did he learn all of this stuff? He, he learned about God by witnessing Daniel's life. 
he saw and was learning about God's character and nature just by watching this man stand firm. And so then they throw him in the lion's den and Daniel was surrounded by lions. Isn't that interesting that the enemy is also referred to as a lion, lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. And so he's surrounded by lions in this den looking to devour them. And then the next part kicks up, a stone. Someone say a stone. See the stone. Mm. Church, do you see the correlation here? Isn't God's word perfect? And so a stone was brought and rolled and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. I can think of a time in which a man had some authorities and had some soldiers roll a stone over a grave and said, hey, we need to guarantee that this man stays in it. This is the crazy part, though. It's the same enemy, same tricks. This is the first time the enemy tried to roll a stone over a heavenly man, and it never works. It never works. Give it up, dude. It's not going to work. He rolls a stone over the lion's den, and he rolled a stone over a grave, and you see this, this war happen within it. The lion's in the den. Jesus bringing sin into the grave. There's this war that happens, and the man of heavenly authority always wins. That stone can't stop him. So then the king returned to his palace, and he goes to bed, right? He spent the night uh, without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him. That would be cool life, though. <laughs> Imagine entertainment being brought to you. That'd be cool. Okay, so he didn't have any entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up, and he hurried down to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, go ahead. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel! Servant of the living God. Look at how he, oh, I pray. Nick, servant of the living God. Come on, Tim, servant of the living God. Allie, servant of the living God. Come on now, that's my title. That's what I want too. Wait, let's talk about that for a second. Do you know that you have authority because you've been given authority? And essentially, the authority that you've been given comes from a place of you serving a higher power. And so we walk in authority, and we can walk in authority because we are a servant of the living God who holds the ultimate authority. Okay. So Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, come on, been able to rescue you from the lions? Again, Darius is looking at this situation. He sees, he's witnessing Daniel. He's watching him. And Darius, King Darius, where did he learn about the living God? Where did he learn about this character? It's through watching all of, all of Daniel's actions, through watching his faithfulness, through watching the ability to stand firm. All of these things are revealing God's character to King Darius. Darius, isn't that incredible? Wait a second. Without, without a cool worship service, without an awesome message preaching, King Darius is learning about the living God just by watching this man walk with authority. And so then Daniel in the lion's den, he answered, here's the honor. May the king live forever. Attitude, 
I'm not going to obey this command that's wicked, but I will honor you. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed. The king was overjoyed. Someone say joy. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted his God. Oh my gosh, church, I got something that's going to rile you up. Someone say, get ready. Someone say, get ready. Let me tell you something. When we rise from the pit, nations resound with praise. They were overjoyed. When you rise from the pit, when you are rescued, when you stand up, you're blacked out and you stand back up. When you are rescued, nations resound with praise. He was overjoyed to hear his voice. When you rise from the pit, nations resound with praise. This is why we got to share our testimony. This is why we got to talk about these stories. This is why we got to talk about our past. This is why we got to talk about that dark box that we don't like to share with anyone because we find freedom. And when people see those, that bondage being broken, when people see people rising up out of that pit, it results in worship of nations. And so at the king's command, this is crazy. This is crazy. The other thing I didn't say is um, when you see the story of Daniel, you get a glimpse of what happened in the grave with Jesus. The lion's mouth was shut and defeated. Can I preach for a second? But they weren't killed. That comes at a, at a different day when Jesus comes. So the, end, the lions still lived. And they will end one day when he returns. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Whoa, King Darius, a little far, okay. Uh, and before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. The enemy was defeated in the same den they tried to defeat Daniel, period. Done. They tried throwing him in there, tried kill him. No, didn't work. They were defeated themselves. And so the story continues on. I want to get to this. Then King Darius wrote to all of his kingdom, wrote to all the nations. Someone say all the nations and people of every language. Someone say every language. In all the earth. Someone say all the earth. Do you guys get it yet? Do you guys get it yet? All the nations, every language, all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Keep going. Keep going. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues. Someone say he rescues. And he saves. Someone say he saves. And he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. Keep going. Keep going. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. In other words, the nations all praised Look at this man with, walking with heavenly authority. Nations praised. Without, oh, I wrote this down. Because we view worship and we view praise as singing. Wait, without singing a heartfelt, you love so deep. Without singing that, without singing a word, a heartfelt song, a super modern worship service. 
the fog and everything. Oh, it's so awesome. No, without all, without all the tricks, all he did was live a stand firm life. He had true character and he revealed the nature of God and Daniel inspired nations to worship. So today, today I want to change our perspective real quick on what worship is. Because we think worship is this stuff. And yes, it most certainly is this stuff. But there's so much more to worship. And so what, church, this is a simple question. What is worship? What is worship? What is worship? I, I did a, a, a word study, and we share this with our worship team every time we gather and we do like a, a team practice. We, we start out with this phrase here. What is worship? Worship is the odd response. Go ahead, someone put it up. Yep, yep, yep. Worship is the odd response to the saving acts and praiseworthy character of God. Does that mention singing at all? No. The odd response to thank God. Oh my goodness, are you incredible. Thank you, Jesus. It is the odd response to the saving acts and praiseworthy character of God. Please write that down today. It is the odd response to the saving acts and praiseworthy character of God. So when you see how good he is, when you see how he keeps you safe, when you see how powerful he is, when you see the character of God, when you see his grace and his mercy, when he rescues you, you have an odd response. And your odd response is going to look different than mine. I'm a jazz hands person. Yeah. You might not be that way. Your odd response might be on your knees. Your odd response might be crying. Your odd response might just look like a deep sense of reverence. I don't know what it is, but we respond with reverence when you see his character. Worship is the reverential response of creation to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. Yeah, yeah, the odd response. So when we come in here, when we come in here Sunday after Sunday, and can I, can I address some culture stuff here for a second? You don't need to be jazz hands Nick Miller. It's not my expectation. But we need to respond with reverence and awe to his character. And before you step in that door, can you start thinking about his character and stir up your spirit before we get into this place? Don't wait for the song to say, you are good, you are good, for you to finally feel it. Don't wait for Emily to get super hyped so that way you put down your coffee and then you're like, yeah, let's go. Think about his character out there. It should blow you away before you step into these doors. Think about how much you've been rescued. It will blow you away before you step into these doors. Think about how faithful and how good he's been to you. It will blow you away before you step into these doors. Think about all the stuff that you don't deserve that he's given you. It will blow you away before you step into these doors. Think about that car accident when you were rescued. It will blow you away before you step into these doors. I think about my kids. It blows me away before I step into these doors. I think about my friends and family. It blows me away. I don't deserve this at all. It blows me away before I step into these doors. I think about Chris. Chris is good news. I don't know where he's at. He's probably walking around somewhere. Chris, yeah, he's walking around somewhere. Had, had some pain and numbness on his side, and he doesn't have it anymore. That's what I think about, and I come in with praise. 
It's an odd response, church. Odd response. So start thinking about it out there before you get in here. Stir yourself up. Let's go. And so then we talked about inspiring nations to worship. How will they see his character, church? Because Jesus ain't here. He's in here, but he ain't here. So how will they see his character and his saving acts? How will they respond with reverence? They're going to respond with reverence when they see Christ's ambassadors. Does anyone know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a, a person in authority representing a king from a kingdom. And they, listen, listen, listen. An ambassador models the character, the nature, and when he speaks, he or she speaks, it is taken as the literal words of the king. So in other words, when you go to a different nation, if you're an ambassador and you say, president over here wants us to be at peace, that is on the king's behalf. It is spoken as though it is from the king. And so they will see his saving acts and his character when you speak and when you live different. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yes, it has to be a new creation because that old stuff, that ain't of God's character. No, no, no. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Someone say it's here. All this is from God who reconciled, brought us together, brought us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, now we're in the business of drawing people to him. So he did it first. He showed us how to do it. Now you and I are in the business. Did you know that? Now you got the ownership. Now you have the job. Now you go out and do it. All four corners of the earth. They ain't just up to Jesus anymore. You do it too. It's not just the guy with the microphone. You do it too. We're all in the business of reconciliation. That God, go ahead, put this up here. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. Praise God. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore, someone say therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making a, his appeal through us. So your life is the direct representation and the words you speak might as well be words from the king. That's how they're going to see his character and his praiseworthy acts. Did you know that, church? So this is a huge thing. I pray, I pray that as the world witnesses his ambassadors, that they will begin to worship. I pray, I pray. Dr. T, I pray that as they witness you, they start praising God, Dr. T. Tim, I pray that as they start witnessing you, you're an incredible teacher. As people start witnessing you teach, I pray that they just praise God. Yeah. Yeah, Dean, you're doing an incredible job, young man. I pray that when your friends see you in school, they start praising God. Donald. They will worship. They will worship. What does worship look like? Real quick. They will shout. Someone say shout. shout. To the Lord on the earth. Sorry. They will shout. They will shout. They will shout. I love this. This is Ephesians 5. I did, did Judge just share this this morning? I think he did. Ephesians 5. Don't get drunk on wine. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, yes. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Wait. So let me tell you something. Let me preach on this for a moment. When you are drunk, you have an overflow of a characterization. 
Do you guys understand what I'm saying? That when you're drunk, you start slurring your words. That when you're drunk, you start wobbling a little bit. When you're drunk, you start coming up with stupid ideas. There is an overflow as you are overflowed with wine. And now, when you're filled with the Spirit, there's an overflow or a characterization or something that it looks like when you are filled with the Spirit. It's going to look like peace. It's going to look like kindness. It's going to look like wisdom. There's going to be miracles that follow when you're overflowing with the Spirit. There's a characterization. When you're drunk, there's some characteristics. When you're filled with the Spirit, there's some characteristics. Characteristics. What did I say? <laughs> Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking, this is one of the overflows. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and song from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't care if you're terrible at singing. I don't care if you can't sing a note. We'll put this a little bit louder so that way you can just go for it. I can't believe I don't want to be mean, but I can't believe we experience the saving acts of our God and don't open our mouths. I can't believe it. But yet, but yet, someone buys us a meal and we hoot and holler over them. Oh my gosh, can you believe? Oh, you're so nice. We love you so much. And then you're at Chipotle. Did you? They're so kind to me. And we do this worship and this praise of person, but you get into this chair and you shut your mouth? Really? Really? Doesn't make sense. So open your mouth. Start singing. Do it. You know how much you've been saved from? Open your mouth and sing. Second thing is, is that when people witness you, they will, they will surrender, okay? This is an interesting one. They will, they will surrender, and they will, they will bow down in reverence to him, okay? Um, and, and, and what's going to happen is they're going to cast aside their former life and walk with God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 12, and, and we're going to talk about sacrifice in just a minute, but look at what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, when you see his character, when you hear of his goodness, offer your bodies, so surrender it all. Give it all away. Surrender. There's going to be people who literally, when they see the, the character of God through you, they're going to throw addictions away. Out. When they see your character, they're going to start building their marriage again. They're going to drop that, uh, that relationship on the side. Get out. They're literally going to surrender their life as they see your character, as they see God shining through you. They're literally going to surrender their life. Get it out. And they're going to offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Surrender is true and proper worship. I also got to tell you, and I'm going to speak to the church real quick. If you've got some strongholds that prevent you from worshiping, you've got to surrender those right now. Drop them and throw them away. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Why? Because then they don't see the character. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Part two, we're going to talk about mindset, okay? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there is an element that when people see you, they're going to surrender. So this guy, this King Darius, who was getting praise and accolades, he was getting revered. He drops it and says, no, we're going to worship Daniel's God. I know I'm getting praised. I know I'm getting loved, but I'm dropping that man worship. We're going to worship the living God. He surrendered it. He surrendered it. Get it out. Get it out. Last thing that they'll do when they see you, they will sacrifice. This is, I know we just talked about this a little bit in Romans chapter 12, but there's going to be sacrifice that comes into worship. And i got to tell you something. What is worship without sacrifice in the first place? What is worship without sacrifice in the first place? When has anything good come from that which is convenient? So the first moment, the first act of sacrifice or the first act of worship that we see in the word of God is Abraham and his son Isaac. And he built an altar and the promised child, the child that was going to be the establisher of nations, he's willing to put his son on the altar and sacrifice everything in trust of God. And God brings a ram and solves the problem. What is, what is worship without sacrifice? Jesus also says, oh, this woman, she, she, everyone was so resounding at everyone's donations in the, in, the, in the courts. And all of a sudden, this poor woman comes in and drops two pennies. And Jesus said, greater has she. She's given more than anyone else. She's poured it all out. Worship is sacrifice, church. Through, through Jesus, therefore, go ahead, put this up here. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. It has to be sacrificial, church. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. You want to know one of the greatest sacrifices? You're going to look weird. You're going to be different. That's a huge sacrifice. You know that? This journey of being a Christian can be lonely. Not everyone's on your side. There's going to be people who judge you. There's going to be people who don't like you. It's a sacrifice to live like that, to openly praise his name. And do not forget to do good. That's a sacrifice too. Get serving. Go on a missions trip. Go and do good things for people. Do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, someone say sacrifices. God is pleased. God is pleased. Mm -hmm. So worship is shouting, surrendering, and sacrificing. I made it easy for y'all with a bunch of S words. Shout, surrender, and sacrifice. I want to wrap it up, church. Someone say, I'm here. All nations will worship. My home's going to worship. My family's going to worship. My jobs, my, my place of employment's going to worship. This town is going to worship. Monroeville's going to worship. Pittsburgh's going to worship. This nation's going to worship. Come on now. I'm here. I'm here. All nations will worship. Someone say, I'm here. I'm here. All nations will worship.
Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your good word. Thank you, God, that you lead us. Thank you, God, that you're walking with us. Thank you that you empower us for every good work so that we can go and be a direct reflection of you. And Jesus, I pray, I pray that we would have the boldness and the authority to recognize that wherever we step our foot, we can command worship in all nations. And so I cannot wait for the stories of people who have, have shouted for your name. I cannot wait to hear the stories of people who have surrendered their former ways. I can't wait to hear stories of people who have sacrificed greatly for you just as a result of seeing your praiseworthy character and your so uh, and your ultimate goodness and magnificence. Thank you, God. God, I pray over each and every believer in this room, I pray that they would walk with authority and that this week would be a week that is marked by worship, not just singing, but a week that's marked by shouting, by surrendering and sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that wherever they step their foot, they're going to have the strength to inspire nations to worship. Thank you, God. And so I want to pray for one more group of people. If you're here today, if everyone can keep their head bowed, if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, he is the one who has came and he is the one who lived a perfect life to rescue you. <laughs> I was saved from a car accident in the physical, but what Jesus did on the cross and saving me from an eternity separated from him was way greater than lifting me from a car accident. And I'm here to offer this to you today. Friend, if you do not know this Jesus, the, the opportunity is here for you to connect with him, for you to build a relationship with him that's going to last for all eternity. Jesus saw broken humanity. And instead of turning his eyes, he lived a perfect life, came to earth in the flesh so that he would be the perfect sacrifice to make you whole, to give you life here on earth and everlasting. And you don't have to do anything perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to attend church every day of your life. You don't have to have a million bucks. You couldn't buy this gift. No, all you simply have to do is someone say, believe. All you have to do is believe. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and you will be saved. Does anyone want to rise from the pit today and be saved from an eternity apart from him? If that's you in this place, you might be feeling those butterflies. You might be getting the, the tanglies in your stomach. That's talking to you right now. Don't miss this moment. If that's you, I want to encourage you to raise your hand on the count of three as an outward way of saying, I need this Jesus and I want to give him my life. If that's you, go for it. One. Two, it's the best decision you ever make. Three, does anyone need to make that decision today? Anyone need to make that decision? Don't miss this moment to get out of the pit. So good. So good. Well, let's pray for those who made that decision in their heart. If you made that decision in your heart, just say this. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again to set me free. I give you my life. I turn from my past. And I walk into all the days that I have again or, or above me or before me with you. And so, Jesus, have all of my heart. Take all of me. I surrender it all. And I'm ready to walk with you through every step of the way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Lift up a shout of praise for those who made Thank you for listening to this week's message. We hope you are able to draw closer to him today and can walk away with a deeper knowledge of his word. At CORE, we believe you aren't meant to do life alone. Visit us at corechurch.com to learn more about how to get involved with our community through serving opportunities and our weekly events.